I invite everybody to please stand and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, it will be up on the screen. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. For those of you all visiting us today, welcome. We've been going through the entire gospel of Mark, hitting most of the main stories we have. I don't preach line by line and verse by verse. But today is our last Sunday here in the gospel of Mark. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark, starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be afraid, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they put him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. They went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them. And they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible day. Every Sunday is a mini resurrection day. The early Christians, even in the book of Acts, began to worship on Sundays, remembering that you, Jesus, are alive and you've risen from the dead. And we praise you today as we remember that you, Jesus, are alive. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand your word in a more clear way, a deeper way, a more profound way. Father, give me your words to say only what you want and nothing else. And Father, may we truly begin to grasp your immeasurable glory of your power that you used to raise your son Jesus from the dead. And that same power is in us who believe. Father, I pray for those who are here, who are struggling, who are living in fear and suffering, that you would lift them up and overwhelm them with your love. Father, for those who are here who don't know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, may they surrender and submit and give their lives to you, Jesus that they would die to themselves, confessing you as Lord and Savior, taking up their cross and following you, Jesus, as King and as Lord. Father, we lift up our dear brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka who've lost loved ones today because they gathered together to worship your name and their churches were blown apart. Father, would you bring great comfort to the family members who've lost loved ones. May you heal the broken bodies of those who are injured. Father, have mercy on those who committed this horrible crime. And may they repent. May they surrender to you. May they see you, Lord Jesus. And Father, we pray for just the government of Sri Lanka, that you would move powerfully for the church leaders who are still alive. May you fill them with great grace as they shepherd their flocks. And Jesus, out of this horrible tragedy, glorify your name. Father, we thank you and praise you. We are here to receive from you. Pour your great love into our hearts, Jesus. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. 
Well, welcome to the church at Woodbine, those who are visiting. We're so glad that you're here. I have to confess that this Sunday, it's always hard for me to preach this Sunday because how can you preach on the fact that Jesus is alive? And I have about 20 stories in my mind, so if I go for two hours today, just it'll be all right. We'll get to the end of the buffet. Y'all have eaten real good this morning anyway at our brunch, uh, so I might go on and on. No, I'm teasing, but I have a question for you. Good news. The gospel, it's called good news. And the very first missionaries that were sent out, the very first ones to be sent out to share that Jesus was alive, that he had risen, were these women. Here in Mark, they mention three names. Matthew and Luke also talk about it. John talks about it. There's four different gospel accounts about the resurrection. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a, little, in a few minutes. Just They're different. They share different things, different aspects. Do they contradict each other or not? But good news, the angel told these women... Go and tell the disciples and Peter, and we'll talk about that too, why just Peter as well, that he is risen. I have a question. How hard is it for us when we get good news? A new job, a new toy, a new present, a bonus, a raise, a new relationship, a new puppy. Is it hard for us to contain and hold it in? I can still remember 11 years ago, Christy and I, we were at the beach with my mom down in Mexico with two of our kids, our boys. Sammy had just turned four, Eric was almost two, and Margie was about two months old in Christy's belly. And Christy and I had just found out that she was pregnant. And every morning I would get up early, go do my devotion somewhere, and when I came back to the hotel room, about 7.15, and my two boys were early risers, and I forgot to take my keys, so I knocked on the door. They were wide awake. And I can still remember Sammy and Eric's face. Eric, I don't think quite understood what was going on, being as little as he was. And where is Eric? He was over there. I'm throwing him under the bus right now. But Sammy and Eric were so excited. When they opened the door, Sammy was like, Mommy's pregnant. She's going to have a baby. And I can still see his face. And Eric was delighted. Christy was excited. She kind of wink, wink, hint, hint. They got to share with me the good news that I had found out a couple days before. But I can still see the joy on their faces for sharing that good news. How hard is it to hold good news? Now, we're going to do a little cultural thing right here. Samuel, could you come up real quick? And we did it in our worship song. Actually, I was excited when Mel said we're going to say, share the name of Jesus. You guys actually said Jesus. Because sometimes when Mel does that, we go, Jesus. Down in Mexico in our worship services, and for those who don't know, could you grab that mic right there? In Mexico, Christy and I lived there for 20 years. I pastored a church in Mexico. And Resurrection Sunday is what we call Easter. And I didn't realize how much I don't like the word Easter, but Resurrection Sunday. And the thing that we had always would hear in Spanish every morning on Sunday morning for Resurrection Sunday was this question, ¿Quién vive? Which means, who's alive? Who lives? And what's the response? Cristo. Cristo, which is Christ, Jesus. And then the next one is a su nombre, which means to his name. Gloria. Gloria. Oh, come on. You're going to do better now. Gloria. Okay. And the pastors would do that back and forth. Quien vive? Cristo. A su nombre. Gloria. Okay. Now, I want you guys to join Samuel on that. The first word is easy. Cristo. Say it. Cristo. Very good. You're going to say it with Samuel. The next word you're going to say is Gloria, which is glory. And I'm not trying to do a big pep rally right here. But I do want you to interact. Okay, you ready? Can you do it? Yeah. Kim Bibe! 
Cristo. Now, ¿quién vive? Cristo. A su nombre. Gloria. Excellent. Good job, Winston. Good job. Thank you, Samuel. He's Mexican. He's Zimbabwe Mexican. Oh, man. That's awesome. Resurrection Sunday. I know you guys have seen on TV when the ball team wins, when they score a touchdown, when they make the final shot and win the March Madness, where a soccer goal is scored and the place goes bananas. And we spend billions of dollars every year on sports. Billions of dollars. Just so that some man or woman can kick now a synthetic leather ball into a net, run across the painted line for six points, or shoot a ball into this iron hoop, and the place goes, we go bananas. And we hear the sportscasters, amazing, unbelievable, incredible, miraculous, woo! And, and 100,000 people go crazy. All for a ball game. And I get into it. Man, I bleed orange. I love Tennessee. I pray and fast. Amen, Porsche, right? I can't wait for them to get good again. And in the fall, if you guys see me on Sunday morning, it means we've lost. If I'm bouncing around, we won. But it's just a ball game. The good news. Back here to Mark chapter 16, right here in Mark 16. Some cultural context. Jesus has been crucified. For three and a half years, he was with the apostles, the twelve, with these women as well. There are about a hundred men and women that followed Jesus around very faithfully. Very faithfully. He had his twelve, the apostles. They were in his inner circle. But there were women who were far much more faithful as disciples than these twelve. We see it because all the men, they scattered. And these few women stood at the cross and they watched him die. He was betrayed by his best friends. He was denied by his leader, his right-hand man, Peter, denied him, swore that he didn't know him. He was beaten, flogged, spit on, beaten again, falsely accused, beaten again, drug out of the city, crucified, and died. And he told his disciples for months, probably a year, at least a year, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be killed. I will be handed over to the Gentiles and they will kill the Son of Man. And that all just right over the disciples' head. I can remember in November watching my dad die, sitting right next to him as he breathed his last, holding his head. And he was going to die. He had Parkinson's disease. And we were actually praying, Jesus, please take him for months. And when his breathing changed Saturday night from <sighs> to Sunday morning when it was just, I knew he was going to be gone. And sitting there with my mom and we were talking and watching him breathe his last and literally stop. Over. Over. And he's in heaven. And we rejoice he's in heaven. We miss him dearly, but he's in heaven. He died physically and became more alive than what any of us can ever imagine right now. But when he died, right there on the, literally died, it's over. Mary and Mary and Salome and the other women, they watched him on the cross, bleed to death, suffocate to death, and die. They took him down and they put him in a tomb. 
In the Jewish days, at the sunset is when the new day starts. Jesus died late Friday afternoon. Friday, that's day one. He was put in the tomb that afternoon before the sun went down. But there wasn't enough time for them to truly prepare his body for a proper burial. And because of the Sabbath and because these women and Joseph, Arimathea and Nicodemus, because they were faithful Jews who loved Jesus, they weren't going to work on the Sabbath, which is Saturday. So they waited. And then here, verse 1 and 2, when it says, Very early in the morning, the women went back to the tomb because they had bought precious oil and they're going to prepare, they're going to roll the stone away and prepare his body for a proper burial. Why? Because they truly believed that Jesus was dead. Why? Because he was dead. And even though Jesus had told them for over a year that he would rise again from the dead, they didn't get it. They didn't have a clue. They didn't understand. They didn't know. They didn't believe. So think about it. For these women and for these men, they had given their lives to Jesus. They saw him do the miracles. Peter himself said when almost all the disciples left, when thousands of the multitudes left Jesus because his teaching was too hard, because Jesus calls all of us, as Ed said earlier, to die to ourselves, to surrender to him, to take up our cross and follow him. There is only one Lord and there is only one King, and that is Jesus. It's his way or it's our way, and our way leads to death. There is only one way that leads to life, and it's his way. And all, everybody, almost everybody left, and Peter said, Lord, to whom should we go to? We believe that you're the Son of God and that you have the words of life. So this small band of disciples, they followed him to the bitter end, and they didn't understand it, they didn't get it, but they saw their Lord and their Savior be crucified on a cross by these pagan Romans, and they buried him. It's over. None of them were expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. None of them. And we see here in verse 2, it says this, Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. Because as faithful Jews, they had to wait and rest. They couldn't do it on Saturday. Saturday of day 2, the sun goes down Saturday afternoon, starting Sunday, the first day of the week, day 3. So early in the morning on our Sunday, they're walking to the tomb, depressed, discouraged, confused. We know they're scared because it says later on that the, the, these disciples were hiding behind closed and locked doors, scared. And could you imagine them thinking, if they crucified our leader, what will they do to us? But these faithful women who loved Jesus so much, they wanted to give him a proper burial. And look at what it says here. This is what I love about this passage here. As they went to the tomb at sunrise, verse 3, they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb? And looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. So could you imagine these women, they're walking and they're talking and they're grieving and they're depressed and they're scourged and they're confused. And I can imagine they're probably rehearsing, man, but didn't Jesus say this and Jesus promised that and how could we have let that happen and why did it happen? This doesn't make any sense. Oh my gosh, we've given everything up to follow him. And as they're thinking through the day, oh my, who's going to roll away this huge stone? It's huge. And then they get and they see the stone's been rolled away, thrown away. And it says in Matthew that there were Roman soldiers 
who had been posted there overnight, those three days? Because the Jewish leaders remember that Jesus said he would rise from the dead. And the Jewish leaders told the Romans, We've got, you need to put some guards there because they'll come into the night and they'll steal his body away and claim that he rose from the dead. Jesus' followers, they forgot all about that. But the Jewish leaders had Roman soldiers there to guard the tomb. And it says in the other Gospels that when the angel came down, and some Gospels say two angels, some say one, it really doesn't matter. If I say my family is here at church, am I lying? No. Christy's here, Erica's here, Margie's here. Sammy's in Mexico. Did I lie to you saying that my family was here? No. But not all of them. It's the gospel accounts. And it says that when the angels came down and they rolled away the stone, it says that the Roman soldiers were so afraid that they shook and they trembled like dead men. So there the Roman soldiers are laid out, passed out in a trance. We don't know, but they're there lying on the ground or standing there shaking. They have no idea what to do. Could you imagine what it was like for these angels? It says here in Mark that the angel was sitting inside the tomb. We know there's at least two angels there. Could you imagine what it was like for those angels? They know Jesus has risen from the dead. They actually got to pull the, pull the stone away. And their Lord came out. We don't know where Jesus is, but could you imagine those two angels? Man, can you imagine the look on those women's faces when they get here? They're going to freak out. They freak out when they see us, let alone when they're going to see him. Can you imagine what it's like for those angels? And the women run into the tomb, and it says here in verse 6, 5, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, a white robe, sitting on the right side.